watch a whole buddy comedy a whole buddy comedy show between Stacey Mosley and a potted plant. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that and put that at the beginning of the interview we do with her. so nervous about this this is so dumb <laughs> that's cute welcome everyone to gotta grow up sometime a swan's crossing retrospective shut up nathan <laughs> i'm libby grant i'm nathan kessler jeffrey and we are so excited because we have a very special guest today <laughs> folks you might recognize that voice you might know her as Marsha from the film Bloodborne. She's also been on All American, Artificial, Young Sheldon, Fresh Off the Boat, which I love, and really too many other shows and films for us to list here. But we know her as the incredible, unstoppable, submarine-living, acupressure-wielding, motorcycle-riding mechanic <laughs> of Swan's Crossing, Callie Walker. Let's give it up for Stacey Mosley! <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited! Hello! <laughs> are you? Thank you so Thank much you. for Thank coming you. on the show, Stacey. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think you've probably already gathered that um, Callie is our favorite character on Swan's Crossing. I think that's funny. She was mine. So... <laughs> I mean, we will not. We will not tell any other actors yeah, who come who on, this come on the show. Yes. That we're going to keep that just between us, just us, and our listening audience. Have you had any other actors from the show on here? Not yet, but we are going to be talking to Eddie, Eddie Robinson, who played Neil. And awesome. I still have to work out. Yes. Yeah, I have to work out scheduling for that. And I'm hoping some of the others will be willing to talk to us as well. But we'll see how that goes. I um, can nudge one or two that yeah. I know. So we have so many questions about your time on Swan's Crossing and your memories from it. We're so grateful that you're willing to talk to us about it. Thank you for being willing to join us on our incredibly ridiculous (laughs) podcast. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm just amazed that people are still interested in the show and watching it. And (laughs) and and we have like fan clubs still and people that get together and watch the shows still online and stuff together. So it's 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 kind of crazy. I've listened to a few episodes and oh my god, Nathan, your joy and and amazement when you're (laughs) when you're discovering the show. It's awesome. I'm so glad Libby talked me into doing this podcast. it is so fun it is it's, so fun it's really fun and and it's weird because when we were doing it we just it was the 90s everything was crazy and weird too so it, it's not actually we're watching it out of context you know or you're watching it out of context in the 90s it really wasn't obscure and strange for us i guess right. some of these things yeah so. i remember similar things from being 12 years old in the 90s yeah but 30 years later... It's it's crazy to watch us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to get right into it. So tell us, how did you... Absolutely. The casting call for Swans Crossing, do you remember like any of the audition process that you went through? I do remember the audition I process. I um, I was auditioning for, you know, a lot of stuff at that time. I was 16. I was in New York. I had been in a lot of productions at that point and had done most of the TV that you could do. And I remember getting this audition and I think there was like several callbacks if I if I remember correctly. And there was one scene 
scene that I just had to do like a hundred times every time I went in for this callback. And that was the first scene from the pilot where I take the helmet off and shake my head and we're looking, you know, like gazing out over the, the <laughs> over the lake. And I remember I was at 16, a bit of a hippie, I'd say for my, for who I was, I, I wore, you know, cowboy boots and long flowy skirts. And, um, I remember reading the breakdown for this, that she was wealthy. So I thought I should wear a turtleneck and like a cardigan. And it turned out exactly not who this character was at all. But that's this, when you audition, you off, you wear the same outfit for all of your auditions and callbacks so that they remember, oh, that was the one in the red sweater. That was the one in the blue shirt. And so I wore this ridiculous cardigan for every callback. And then when I went to wardrobe and they put me in, you know, motorcycle jackets and motorcycle boots, I was like, sweet. Yay. Um, but yeah, that's what I remember <laughs> from it. And I remember I, one of my, I remember like a chemistry read with, um, I think it was Shane. I think it was that scene that we did together. And I remember meeting Sarah Geller in the lobby. That was in the waiting room. Those were my audition memories. Yes. Excellent. And oh. and the show the show was on 5 days a week. What yes. was the shooting schedule like? 5 days a week. I mean, we we started in a we started during the school year, so my I was I was a junior in high school. Um so we started like that spring, like March, April, and we shot 5 days a week. Uh a lot of hours. But of course we were 16. So they had limited hours that you could do. You know, I think we could, we had to be in school for three hours and then on set for six or something like that. Yeah. Right. So five days a week. And we shot all through that whole summer. That was our life was that summer was Swan's Crossing. So all of season one filmed in a summer then? Yes. From spring to like, um, end mid August, I think is when they sent us off on a hiatus thinking that we had, they told us we'd been picked up and they sent us away for a two week hiatus. And then we were all coming back. So I went home to my hometown in Virginia and, you know, was relaxing and chilling and went out for a run and came back. And my mom said, you need to sit down. And I was like, what? She goes, That's the show got canceled. Terrible. So it was, it's <gasps> devastating. <laughs> yeah. It's really yeah. hard as a 16 year old to think that's what your life is. You know, like I'm going to, oh my God, I'm going to be a TV star at that point. Like that was it. Right. We had an action figure. We had people like hounding us on the subways and, and all of that. And we thought we were going to be stars. And then the show just cut, canceled. There were oh. swans crossing action figures. Wait, you didn't know this? Yeah, I, we've we've discussed this. Nathan told me at some point. <laughs> now, but my, that does not. My yeah, character was in lingerie. I would like to point out. <laughs> that was such <laughs> a was like in a, a, a pink and blue what? teddy, which is weird for a teen. <laughs> and now these dolls were geared toward preteens too, so that was like they weren't geared towards teenagers. It was for kids younger than us. And but my character had you know the big hair and then um, a teddy. On. Oh my do you, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Do you still have one? Like, do you have so one hanging around? Yeah, I have a few in a box in my, <laughs> in my garage. I love it. That's awesome. That is excellent. You can find do them you, on eBay, um, actually, occasionally. Oh, I know. I've seen them. <laughs> I'm probably going to bid on a few one of these days. <laughs> Bring the value up on all the Callie walkers out there. Do you remember anything about the work you put into developing Callie as a character? Oh, God. I mean, I'm in my mid-40s now. I don't remember that. Um, the, the specifics of developing Callie were... I remember when I put on the motorcycle boots. Like, they gave me these amazing blue suede motorcycle boots. And when I put those on and the motorcycle jacket is when I felt like that's who Callie was. 
I also think in the beginning, they didn't know where the storyline was going to go, who Callie would be, who would, which characters would really be the most popular, where they would develop. I mean, so I think a lot of it was like a work in progress as we were going. So I just remember Callie, when I put the boots on feeling like, oh yeah, she's a badass. Like that's, that's what I felt. And so that sort of like became my through line. That comes through. Yeah. Oh, good. That comes through yeah. very clearly. <laughs> and was there a moment where you, and because I know oftentimes like the filming is divorced from the actual like showing of the, mm-hmm. of the show. Was there a moment where you were like, this is real. I am on a television show and people are watching it. Yes. And that was the premiere. Oh, no, no, no. I won't say it was the premiere. The premiere, we didn't know if anybody watched it at all. It was the moment we did this big event at Planet Hollywood in New York City on 57th Street. And they had us um, show up in a limo and all of us were like in the car. I think it had only been on the air for like a month or like a few weeks. And we were driving up and all of us in the cast were like, this is a joke. Nobody's going to be here. This is like, this is going to be a joke. And as we pulled up the line, Planet Hollywood is on 57th Street. We saw the line starting like well into city blocks, like before it, you know, and all of us kind of like the, the limo went silent. Like we were like, shit, this is like people watched us. People saw us and are here to, to meet us. It was surreal. And that's when we knew we were like a big deal at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Fantastic. so cool. <laughs> it was so I think strange. if I had been in that if I had been in that limo, I would have been like, are they trying to get tickets to something? That's exactly they... what we all thought. We we're like, what are they doing? That's not what who are they? Where did who are they here to see? Should we see them too? You know, like we we really had no idea that we had an audience at that point. Oh my gosh, oh. that's amazing. Yeah, it was that it was, was a great feeling. Like, and then we got Yeah. Then you get canned. Yay. Then we got canceled. <laughs> but that must have been right. I, I can imagine like riding that high at Planet Hollywood as a 16-year-old just being like, I'm the queen of the world. Like that's so cool. That's exactly what it felt like, you know, in the 90s with my dark burgundy lipstick and my big hair and uh chokers and you know, it that was like life yeah. was amazing at that moment. Yeah. It's just weird to think like it, like there was a really pivotal moment in mine and all of our lives that were on that show when when it got canceled because we were like either going to be 90210 or obsolete and you know like and so most of us except for Sarah and Brittany became obsolete (laughs) you know like I mean I've been able to work but so it was it like that was one of those moments where you're like when did your life really take a turn and that was one of those it's, it's actually great. I'm. Uh, I don't think I would have the career that I love right now. That if you know, God, I could have ended up in rehab if we had continued. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as most teen stars do. <laughs> right. It, it's funny how life kind of has a way of working out for the best, <laughs> even when you think it won't. Absolutely. So, <laughs> nice. And I think it did for me. Yes. <laughs> so we know that Swan's Crossing was indeed greenlit, and legend has it that it was scripted for a season. Season two uh, before the plug was pulled. Absolutely, do you yes. recall? Did, yes. did you happen to know anything about like where the story was supposed to go in season two? I don't know specifics of a storyline. I only remember that they did some makeup and hair tests on me before we wrapped for the hiatus to see if they could make me have an evil twin. Yes. So like so to be another character. Oh, that is just- so good. <laughs> 
I want a storyline where Callie Walker has an evil twin so badly. Oh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know necessarily that it was evil, but this like literally they had me. They wanted to me to look almost Asian, so they they did sort of they they wanted to get rid Uh-oh. of my freckles. They I had like I remember they tried a bob. Yeah, I mean nowadays it would be pretty bad for me to do this obviously um i mean it would have been bad back then but not aware of that um so but they wanted me to they were trying to see if they could make me look like another character yeah there's the whole storyline where like callie can speak a couple of different asian languages and like she spent her early formative years living in various asian countries on the sub various um so yeah i guess maybe you had a an evil half Asian sister. Ah, yes, Dad. Dad got busy in the east. <laughs> well, so speaking speaking of Captain Walker, yes. uh, there's a lot alluded to, particularly in the first couple of episodes, about the dark history of uh, of the Walker family. Did you or any of your castmates have theories about what that was? What had happened? Uh, no. Not that I can remember. Because I think that Callie was possibly going to be like a bad character in the beginning. And then they shifted her a little bit. So I don't remember the... I think that he was going to have a connection to the Baldies. Do you you know who... Have you got... So there was going to be like a connection of like the the Baldies and Barrack and all of that would... Was kind... Who knows? It was a soap opera for kids, so... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the only way to explain it. But I don't remember where the Walker family darkness was was going to go. Um, to be perfectly honest, like literally it was like how many years ago? I was 16. Oh, 30. 30 years ago. Like 30 so years 30 ago. years ago. That's an entire lifespan for a lot of people. Um, I I don't remember some of the 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 idea that Callie Walker's family was dark and that there was going to be like a, a dark side to that. No, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, the writers may not have either. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about where your life has taken you after Swan's Crossing. Well, I left um, the business for a while and went to college and to decide if it was what I wanted to really do, to be an actor still. And that was, uh, I went home to Virginia. That's where my family is. And I got a degree in women's studies, which you can't really do a lot with anyway. Um, and so I decided to come back to, come to LA. Like I'd done all the TV that you could do in New York. And I was like, let me just give it one more try. And I came to LA and the first few years were really tough. I'll be honest. And I thought, you know, doors would just open for me because I had been a series regular and I'd worked and all that. Um, but it was, it was definitely pretty tough. But then, I don't know, I focused on my personal life and I met a really amazing man and we have kids and a house and we you know we have a really good normal life normal is the word i would say normal yes that's good (laughs) it's very good yes it's very good i have two boys they're 10 and 14 and um you know i'm at volleyball tournaments and running my other kid to the doctor because he hurt his knee and his own crutches and you know it's just like that's what life is it's just that and um and and i work um in tv and film and commercials occasionally and i enjoy that I really love being on set. It's it's home for me. So being in a soundstage feels like home. Oh, that's great. And you you yes. have um, mostly done TV and some feature length and short films uh, over the years, including yeah. <laughs> Mary, Mary Ellen Moriarty on Welcome to the Dollhouse. <laughs> Welcome to the Dollhouse, and, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were also uh, more recently in Goodnight Butterfly, which is fantastic, by the way. Like, you're so good in that. Like, all the Cali Walker intensity a comes through in the best possible yeah. way. Yeah. And it's a beautiful film. I love it. It's 
it's so good. Everybody out there, please go watch it. It's really a moving story. It's great. Particularly over the last few years, it seems you've really gotten back into TV, including on some of those award-winning shows we mentioned earlier, like Artificial, which is sci-fi, All-American, a sports drama. Recently, you were in Bloodborne, which is a horror feature, which I haven't seen yet, but I did see you freaking out most excellently in the trailer. So (laughs) I want to know, (laughs) have you found it challenging to switch up genres that way? Or is it more like creatively energizing for you? No, if anything, it's creatively energizing. I love it. I love you just, I don't care what genre, if it's comedy, if it's drama, if it's horror. Now that was my first horror movie that I've ever done. And I will completely admit, sorry, Reed, if you hear this, he's the director. Um, I like had a gag reflex from the blood, the fake blood being on me. Like I was like, cause it's, it feels goopy and weird and they just kept pouring it on me. But other than that, there's there I have no issues with going back and forth between different genres. And I will say that I'm starting with the quarantine gave me the opportunity to I've always wanted to do voiceover. And here we are in my voiceover booth. Um, So the quarantine gave me the time to like just focus on learning this different technique. And so I've taken hundreds of hours of voiceover and commercial narrative um, uh, animation, video games. And um, I'm happy to say that I just booked my first gig and and recorded it on Tuesday, which is awesome. So yeah. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. So I, I feel like it's like, this is just another branch to sort of my acting career. And I love what I love about voiceover is that it actually is, even though it feels very small and internal because we're in this tiny little booth and this is the medium, just the mic, it's actually much bigger than some like one hour TV dramas where you have to keep everything understated and controlled. And so this brings me back to sort of my theater roots, which I like. So yeah, so I, I love I'll, I'll do anything. Uh, honestly, I love I mean, within reason, obviously. Um, but I love I just love working. I like being on set. I like being around a crew. I like being with other actors and directors and collaborating. And it just feels like home to me. That's awesome. I know that feeling. Yes. Yeah. So Stacey, I'm, I'm interested in it now being 30 years later, as you look back on your time in Swan's Crossing, how do you think of it now? lovingly like like i mean yes i will like i it was a platform that i mean i wouldn't be able to do this right now if i hadn't done it i wouldn't have an action figure i mean can i tell you when like on all those like tell us something interesting about yourself i can say i have an action figure who else gets to say that um but i i yeah i mean i will say i was there's no doubt i was bitter and thought i'm gonna become a has-been because of the show you know after it got canceled but I am a big proponent of therapy. I think it's great for everyone. So yes. I do a lot of therapy and did a lot before I decided to come back to the business after, you know, what I feel like was not a failure on my part, but like, oh, where am I? Where do I go next? So I look back at it very lovingly. And um, ironically, this quarantine has brought swans back into my life in a weird way. So between your podcast, between the fan group on Facebook that I don't know if you know about them, they actually all through summer sat and watched the entire series as a Zoom group together, this fan group, which is amazing. I mean, at first you think, well, that's a little crazy, but they are truly, and they invited me to sit down and, 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 and join them one. And I did. And they're the kindest, sweetest, like truly just people that this is their, it just brings back amazing memories of their, you know, preteen and teen years of watching this after school or getting up at six in the morning to watch it. Cause that's when it was on in New York city. And kids would do that. They would get up to watch it before school 
Like who gets up at six in the morning to watch a TV show? No one. I, I certainly don't. So it's really been a great way for me to connect with people that truly loved the show. And, and the quarantine, for some reason, did that. I don't know why, but it did. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I'm sorry I don't have anything juicier. Like, oh, it was hell. The show was awful. No. That's actually what I was hoping you would say. I'm also a big proponent of therapy. Good. Big, Every, big, big therapy fan. Everyone should go to therapy. I really, really believe yes. that. I, this has been our, our uh, Gotta Grow Up Sometime public service announcement. Exactly. Go to therapy. Don't be like Sandy Swan. Go hmm. to therapy. Obviously... Swan's Crossing was clearly your favorite project you ever worked on throughout your entire career. Absolutely. But but if you had to pick a second, what would your other favorite role or favorite show have been? Oh, goodness. Um, I guess it it changes. I got to say, there's a commercial I did uh, in 2017 or 18 for Aldi grocery stores. I don't know if you've seen it. It is as a as a finished product. It is one of my favorite pieces of work. Like it's. (laughs) And it's exactly how I book, like type A mom, like super, like, you know, my, it's called the awards mom. Like I want to make sure my kid wins all the awards. I love that product in the end. And it's, it's a really funny commercial, but I also, I would say I, the past two years I've been able to do an episode of all American on the CW and I'm wonderfully grateful for my friend who is the showrunner, and she was desperate to fill a role and called me at like six in the afternoon on a Tuesday and said, I have a role that I need you to play tomorrow. Are you available? And it ended up being a, you know, a guest star. And then I've recurred, I've come back. And so I think professionally for me to be able to have built those relationships and have someone trust me to go on set and play, you know, a guest star role on her show, a big show that's been like number one on Netflix, like all during the quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That professionally feels great. Like, oh, I may not book everything. I may not get out or ever make it or have a series regular role again, but I know I've done my job and and I've made an impact on people. That's so. So that one professionally feels great. I will say another film, Goblin Queen, the guy who directed Bloodborne that just came out. I did a short for him called Goblin Queen and... It basically is Narnia in the reverse from the mother's perspective. And so my daughter what? comes back and is the queen of of, of a, a medieval town and a goblin comes back into my home. And then I get to kill a giant goblin. And that's kind of cool, too. So, yeah. In, uh, you know. That's so you are, so you are not the goblin queen. I am not the goblin queen. My daughter's the goblin queen, but I'm her mom and I protect the hell out of her. Yes. Love that. Yes. Oh, that sounds amazing. So that I'm fun. definitely going to find it. I think Goblin Queen's on Vimeo. That's, that's, um, it's there. Yeah. I'm going to check that out for sure. What can we keep an eye out for that you're going to be in next that you can tell us about at this point? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully I'll have an audition next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the Sorry, way this business question. is. No, no, it's yeah, just the you. way this industry is. Like, I did book something and, and recorded uh, a, a narrative podcast, which is great. Um, it's in its second season, um, and I can tell more about that at another point. Um, but I recorded that Tuesday, and I, you know, had an audition for a, a, a New York life insurance commercial yesterday. So who knows? That's <laughs> who knows where fun. you see me next? <laughs> Uh, Stacey, any social media channels where people can get a hold of you? Uh, what do you, what do you, anything you want to plug? Uh, yes. I mean, Instagram and Twitter, Stacey R. Mosley are my, uh, handles. Um, uh, if you are offended by political posts, don't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> ah! Do you want to tell us about the um, the yes. gun control um, action that yes. you work on? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, I am a volunteer for Moms Demand Action, and we're a gun violence prevention organization uh, with about 6 million volunteers throughout the country. We work on legislation. We work on survivor um, support. We work on education. Uh, if you own a gun, lock that gun up. If your child finds that gun, they will be curious no matter how many times you've told them not to shoot it. I will be perfectly honest and take us down a dark road. My mother's a survivor of gun violence. Um, my sister's a survivor of gun violence. My husband, after many years of being a volunteer with Moms Demand over quarantine one day, because we had nothing else to talk about, he said, did I ever tell you about that time that I shot a, you know, a gun um, when I was on a sleepover through a wall? No, excuse me? So he grew up in Texas where they revere guns, but he was, his father always locked his up. He was taught that they, you know, to be very respectful of them. They are dangerous. Spent the night at a friend's house, found a loaded pistol gun. I don't even know what it was. On a bed, he picked it up, shot into a wall because that's what curious kids do. And thank God he wasn't hit, hurt or his friend was not hurt or someone else. And so guess who got in trouble? by the friend's dad, my my husband as a child. He never spent the night at that house again. Thank God my in-laws were very smart. So that's what I focus on a lot is gun violence prevention. Um, and a lot of that is education and legislation. So I am vocal. I get a lot of trolls and I just block them. Well Good. done. Yeah. Good for you. Excellent. <laughs> so glad you're uh, out there doing that work. That's it, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And and thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Our weird, weird retrospective. This has been the most retrospective <laughs> uh, of all. And it's fantastic. I wish I had more interesting stories to tell you about the actual shoot itself. Um, I w- So we had a pool. Did you guys, you know that we had a pool on the yeah, sound yeah. stage. Was- so the it would literally it open up like the like yeah it was small but it was like like um you know it's it's a wonderful life you know how the the floors would like open up and we had a pool in the sound stage that was kind of crazy it was fun it was wonderful it was it was a long time ago <laughs> That's I, I can't remember a lot of it. It sounds like you have uh, remained friends with some people from the show, though, and that's that's got to be a nice feeling after all these years. Yeah, we. I wouldn't say we're you know we're not best buds, but we are in contact, and I'd so, so, social media has allowed that to happen. Absolutely, Evan and I have stayed in contact, and I could probably push him to maybe get on your show. He he, you know, is the one who always was staring at Mila like. She was an ice cream cone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Um, and it's great because he's he's very active in the Swans Crossing fan group on, on Facebook. And so he just posted like uh, like a ton of pictures that I had never seen of like behind the scenes and that's on set. And, you know, and there was a picture of my mom on set. And it was just so surreal to see my mom 30 years ago. And it was like, oh, my God, that's she was like there every day with me, you know, like when she had to be. It was just, it was surreal to see all those photos and remember the costumes and the, I forgot about the baseball game. Like we shot a baseball game out in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I loved that costume, like that wardrobe that they put me in for that. It was this awesome vest with this like ruffle and it was like burgundies and golds and and my motorcycle boots man that was the best wardrobe i've ever had by far on any show no question oh really you looked amazing thank you thank you yeah (laughs) and my hair my god my hair it was it was incredible i'd give do anything to have that hair and my eyebrows back from the 90s man (laughs) 
So when you turn 40, I don't know how old you are, Libby, but when you turn 40, you lose your eyebrows, by the way. just They just start falling out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm and 41. Hey, I, and turned, I, you know, I turned hair up here, too. <laughs> yep, we, we start it's losing great. hair gray. I, I did do my roots for your podcast so that you didn't have to see no. my gray roots. I got to say, being in your mid-40s is hell, and everyone needs to know it. As a, as a woman, Nathan, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, but Libby... Mid forties really sucks. Perimenopause is hell. So hey, yeah. this is a podcast about people from the nineties, right? So they're all in right. their mid forties uh, now, and um, they're having night sweats, and they're having weight gain, and they're losing their eyebrows too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sometimes, sometimes I like to pretend on the show that we have younger listeners, and I will explain things from the nineties to them. And Libby's like Nathan. No, no one. No, <laughs> under thirty five is listening to this no and it, what is sur- like so i've been in no no one under 35 it is surreal the amount of people that remember this show though so like i'll be in like my and i do all my my commercial uh voiceover workouts we do them via zoom at an act of uh, a voiceover studio and so someone said something about oh my god i looked up stacy mosley like in the chat and they were like stacy was on swan's crossing and someone else was like swan's crossing so everyone like Everyone had a connection to it that is our age. Like they really, and younger, like they, it's weird to me. And they're like, you're the submarine cow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, when Swan's Crossing was on the air, I was in the target age bracket for it. I didn't see it, but like I was, I think 11 when the show came out. Well, I was, I was living in a hole. I was homeschooled. Like, don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) One one of the many reasons I'm a proponent of therapy. My kids are amazed by it when they watch videos. It is very funny to watch. They're like, oh, my God. They're like, <laughs> their first reaction is like, that's bad. <laughs> like, yes, well, it was a soap opera for teenagers. OK, some of the stuff you watch is not so great either. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. All your TikTok videos. My kids are never Im- <laughs> exactly all your TikTok videos. They're never impressed with anything I do. Nothing at all. The only thing that they have been impressed with was when I last summer I shot a digital, um, a remote TV show for Twitch, and the fact that I was going to be on Twitch was huge, amazing. Oh, but I didn't get to meet shocking. any gamers, so they didn't care. Yeah, my uh, I don't have. <laughs> my own i have a niece and nephew and recently my niece had to do a project where she wrote a, a biography about one of her favorite authors and she contacted me specifically to tell me that she was not going to do me for her project i was like thank you. i appreciate thank that. you thank i you appreciate that thank you thank you That's my great. kids oh god they if anything, children keep you as humble as possible. Yes, yes. They they just yeah. keep you humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sure do. Oh my goodness! I, I will say, my little one. He's ten. He he's my min- he looks exactly like me. Like he he's same personality. Small, like he's short, and red hair and freckles. And he said one day, he said, "So I told people in my class that you're an actress." And I was like, "Oh, okay." He goes, "And so everybody in the class at the same time on their Google Chrome just Googled you, and so your face was on everybody's screen." It's <laughs> like none of them knew who you were, Mom. Thanks, <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks, kid. <laughs> Thanks, kid. But I just find it funny to see like a classroom of. 
10-year-olds with my face on their Google Chrome. They're like, she's been on what? Huh? What is this Swan's Crossing <laughs> What thing? is this? Yeah. It's, I, I like my obscurity. I like being able to go to Target and, you know, and still be able to do what I love. So it's nice. Thank God That's we got canceled. Be- <laughs> <laughs> you hear it here, folks. Thank you so much, uh, Stacy, for coming on our podcast. You're this welcome. has been amazing to have you here. Uh, thank you also to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. Woo-hoo! Yes, and if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod. It's been a great day. <laughs> and until we can see one another again, may all of your roles be canceled at the appropriate time for your development. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Can we cut that? Because that wasn't really. <laughs> I was trying to find. It's not exactly where the through line was. I'm going to stop now. Sorry.